We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we are looking at the penultimate episode of Blake's Seven. That's penultimate episode of Series Four, penultimate episode of Series. It is the second to last episode. Our journey is nearing completion. The episode is Warlord by Simon Masters. The Federation's pacification program using Pylene 50 has been stepped up substantially. Planets are falling faster than ever, and the inhabitants are mindless zombies. Avon attempts to build an alliance of border worlds in the hopes that they can produce an antidote in quantity and hold back the Federation. There are lots of hard feelings amongst the members, especially towards the warlord Zukan, who's been attacking them all in the past. An uneasy alliance is formed, and Zukan brings the materials and equipment to Zenon base. Unbeknownst to him, his daughter Ziona has come along because she has fallen in love with Tarrant. When Zukan finds out, he's furious and demands that Ziona return to his world, Betathal, on the Scorpio, and that Avon, not Tarrant, pilot the ship. Sulin, who is sympathetic to Tarrant and Ziona, goes along, and then, when Avon is out of the room, teleports Ziona back to Zenon base, so that the lovers can be together. Zukan, however, has laid a trap to destroy Zenon base and kill everyone inside her. After he leaves in his shuttle, the exits and teleport are destroyed by bombs, and a deadly radioactive virus is released into the air system. He goes to meet his conspirator, Commissioner Sleer, a.k.a. Servalan. She, of course, betrays Zukan and puts a bomb on his ship. Avon and Sulin escape the trap that was awaiting them on Betathal and head back to Zenon base. They cannot make it back before the air runs out. Zukan, drifting in space aboard his crippled ship, offers a solution, but he won't tell what it is unless Avon rescues him first. Ziona pleads with him, revealing that she's still on Zenon base, but he doesn't believe it. Or he doesn't want to believe it. Avon reasons out how to save the crew, and Zukan's ship explodes. After they've been rescued, Avon hatches a risky plan to clear the base of the deadly virus. Ziona volunteers to execute the plan against Terence's wishes. When she doesn't contact them in the time allotted, Tarrant and Dana go down and discover the virus has been destroyed, but so too has Ziona. She had taken her glove off and died from the virus before it was clear. So, I will have to say that this is the first ever episode of Blake 7 by Simon Masters. Also, this is the last episode of Blake 7. Is it? By Simon Masters. I had no idea. It, it is. It is. Wow. I don't even know who wrote the last one, but I'm... Actually, I do. I looked it up. <laughs> it's one of two people, and uh, I just, for the life of me, can't remember which one it was of the two, but we don't need to go into that till next time. But for now, Simon Masters, who did some other credits, but nothing nothing genre, really. Kind of spy stuff, mostly, police and dramas. But so, Yeah, I looked up his uh, writing resume. It's, n- I mean, a lot of TV series work, but not very extensive although he's been writing since the early 70s right and he was a script editor so you know he may have gotten into that line of work and done you know been more in that who knows who knows how much these people have to work i mean i I don't mean that in a derogatory way but you know how much work is being script editor on a season of a show is it a year's worth of work is it is it six months worth of work I, i don't know you know, had a career for several years and then moved on or died or who knows what. But so that notwithstanding, what did you think of Warlord? Well, I didn't hate it. <laughs> well, I guess that's good when we're getting here towards the end of the 
end of the series. But it shouldn't... wasn't awful. You know, I think I remember it being sort of awful, but I think that may have just been the pink hair. Well, that is irritating. I mean, that pink hair with the, the man bun, that is awful. Now we know where that trend came from. Wow. I know. That was a bold fashion statement back then. Ooh. I'm not crazy like about fashion hair either, but but that looks well, more like something no. out of the 80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, her hair is very 80s style. I mean, I could look at any any female-led uh, pock, uh, pock, pop 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 rock band. Yeah, pop band. <laughs> a pop rock band from the from the 80s with female lead singer. You know, and they were all kind of doing the goofy hair thing in, in the eighties. It's it was yeah, it was kind of accepted. Um, but um, his hair, wow! You know, and I his think, wasn't the only one. I think his might have been real, and it might have been. Well, I don't. It's hard to say. I mean, it it was so uptight. Yeah, that it really looked like his his it, was his, on it, his it made his face look more pulled than Barbara Baines. How's that? <laughs> Well, I can buy that more than Botox because I know they didn't have that back then. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. It was a. It was an interesting look. But I didn't hate it either. I mean, I wasn't. wasn't amazing, but no, I didn't hate it. No, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I mean, I was. I was uh, entertained just well enough to keep my interest. Well, that's all they need is to get you through to the last episode. Yeah, and I understand this is supposed to be, it, it really is a setup. I I was doing some reading on this one, and this, it, you could almost treat like this as part one of the finale, with next week's being part two. I, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I would, Th- this would was have a whole standalone seen, story. It, yeah, it very much feels like a standalone, but uh, somewhere I read that this was considered, you know, this, this was the setup. Maybe maybe think of it as a prologue to the final episode. Yeah, I think that's probably more. I mean, yes, that, you know, things have crashed down around their ears here. So, uh, you know, it, it, it does set up the next episode, but I, I feel like they got through it and ended it where they needed to end it. And um, would you say uh, that now this show should be called Blake's Six? Oh, because of Orac? Yeah. No. I, I don't recall if no he's in the spoilers, next one. He's, he's in the next one, yeah. He is? Okay, I couldn't remember. I just, I just think it was one of those things where Tarrant and Villa couldn't repair Orac. But Avon could. Yeah. Although I do think maybe... I do think maybe next time Orac has tape around him, holding him together. You know, I think you might be onto something there. Now that you mention it, something to that, but I don't. I mean, he's definitely in it, but um, well, that sounds familiar. Yeah, there's something about tape around him, like red tape or red bands or something that that was sticks in my mind. But that's not this episode. That's the next episode. Oh, why can't it be this one? So we can be all done with it. <laughs> Pileen fifty. Yeah, that was a nice callback. Last scene in Traitor, where mm-hmm. they got the antidote, if I'm not mistaken, or a sample of the antidote. And, of course, they didn't defeat the program. What did you think about Avon's PowerPoint presentation at the beginning? Oh, that was just... I had to watch it twice, because it was just so utterly ridiculous the first time. But I will tell you, the thing that actually did kind of bug me, and this this is all about timeliness... There was something very disturbing about the footage that Avon showed where you see, well, first you see the, I mean, wow. When, when Avon said that it got stepped up, he wasn't joking. I mean, these people were zombies. Hell yeah. That was, that was right out of a, you know, 1984 nightmare. The gray people in gray clothes with numbers painted on their foreheads. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, maybe a THX 1138. Oh, yeah. That too. Kind of thing. Yeah. But that that kind of vibe. But then you've got the Federation guards actually shooting him down. That was playing a, a game. That was a uh, That was dark. It was dark and I frankly it was pretty well done. It was very well done and in and that's why it was so bothersome. Especially considering the timeliness of when we watched this episode. Right, for our viewers, the events in Las Vegas. And if you don't know what the events in Las Vegas are, uh, 
then that means there's probably been more since then, and you don't know which one, but um, it, involving people being shot. Um, yeah, and, and it also reminded me a lot of um, – th- there's a really disturbing scene in Schindler's List mm-hmm. with uh, Ray Fiennes, and he plays this one um, particular Nazi named Amon – I can't pronounce the last name right – Goeth. And he's doing that very same thing. He's just on a tower guard, and he's just uh, shooting prisoners randomly, like it's sport. And I, it was terribly disturbing to see that in that movie. And even though, obviously, from a visual standpoint, it looks—it's not quite as—I um, wouldn't say terrifying. It's—it's it's not quite as uh, intense because the nature of the guns and and the effect that what we see, but the intent is still there. It's really kind of it's almost disturbing to watch, and I thought that w- that was probably one of the darkest things I've ever seen Blake Seven do. Yeah, it was very dark, and I, you know, not to put too fine of a point on it, but I, I mean, I could, I could see, not saying I could see shooting people, but I could see being that first guard sitting up there. I mean, you're bored, senseless. These zombies are just passing by. And I think he's doing what, yeah, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but I think he's doing what some people would do as a joke, which is he's shooting at them with his finger. He's play shooting yeah, at them. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, you know, it's still pretty, bang, it's, bang. It, it's, it's, it's still very dark, even as a joke, but you're right. It's when the other guard sees it and comes along and says, let's I'll step this better. up a notch and yeah. pulls out his gun and then actually shoots one of them that, you know, I, I, and I guess that's what I mean by it's well done because I can totally see that. I mean, oh, you, I could when too. When you take accountability away from people, which obviously there's no accountability here because nobody cares, and when you give people guns and no repercussions, and you know, this is gonna and no value of life, this is what's gonna happen, and it, it escalated in a. A natural if weird way and mm-hmm. and that that was really kind of the and you know it's an unusual um storytelling technique too where they used picture in a picture yeah yeah that was that was um it was an interesting effect i liked it because it created this sense of Oh gosh, I I don't know I I don't know quite what word to use, but it it created a Big Brother vibe, mm-hmm. I think that here you got these people that are just kind of going about their business, and because you've got that picture in picture thing going on with the the Federation guards, clearly, you know they're, they're obviously they're quite together, at least you know in terms of consciousness, they're not drugged or anything. To see them. Uh, you see that first one take uh, those those mocking uh, finger shots mm-hmm. it, at the same time. I mean, that's it's it's creepy to see that happening simultaneously in that picture in picture scene. And it's it made for a very good moment in terms of the episode. I think. Yeah, and then it was all downhill for a minute. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, not entirely, but uh, that was a that was a pretty strong opener. Oh, very. And we see we see Avon trying diplomacy. We've had hints of this throughout the year, that Avon is trying to put together a team. Avon is trying to build something to fight against the Federation. And here we actually see what could have been a good attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously, he and Tarrant have been off to these worlds doing diplomacy uh, in the past, prior to this point, to get everyone to come in to this meeting, and they're a bit dubious of him, because he's a renegade. Right. But at the same time, he's got some pretty compelling um, evidence. He has a good argument. He's got a good argument. And apparently was almost sort of kind of good enough to get Zucan on board, who is the the one that really doesn't need to be here compared to the others. 
mm-hmm. at least probably doesn't think he needs to be here because he's got an army and he's got ships and he's got territorial ambitions and he's been everybody hates him and and I th- probably the one thing I dislike dislikes a strong word I find disjointed about the episode is one we get that federation of probably the wrong word but that cabal of people and once they clink their lightning chalice cups together Ooh, yeah we never see any of them again no they're all gone that was it for that everything Zukan and and well, everything hinged on him so i'm not sure what they brought to this equation well avon talks about it at the very beginning they have all of the machinery Right, to but do Zucan the mass brings producing. it anyway. Yeah, but but he also supposedly his his big contribution is the uh, the ingredients, and right. the only machinery that he's bringing is the machinery that will convert the the the, uh, the chemistry or the uh, yeah the chemical makeup of the plant into something that can then be mass produced as the uh, as the uh, the what do you want to call it? the anti brainwashing drug I guess. Yeah, I was a little unclear as to what was going on there, frankly. It's like, you know, they talked about he had the materials, they have the equipment, then Zukan shows up with the materials and a bunch of equipment, and then everybody else disappears. Well, I believe we get a reference to their their territories at the very end. And then, well, yeah, they get the reference, yeah, go ahead and fight them now, whatever. Um, and then there's the fact that as previously mentioned, they had been doing some diplomacy to get to the point to get people to this conference, which included Avon and Tarrant going to Zukan's planet of Betathol and convincing him to join in. And that's where Tarrant met Ziona and where Ziona fell in love with Tarrant. And whether or not Tarrant fell in love with her at the time, I don't know. That part felt awkward mm-hmm. you know in other words that one she just shows up and she's obviously in love with tarrant and he's got goo goo eyes for her oh, big time that that yeah, i no found preface. the whole that part was I, the part that was a little too abrupt it it felt very um it didn't fit in with the rest of the story seriously i mean obviously she's supposed to be some sort of a a plot device as far as her actions being dictated by her feelings for Tarrant, but ultimately the whole relationship thing, the the lovey-dovey stuff going on between the two of them, felt very shoehorned. It did not flow with the rest of the episode. No, it, it didn't, and it didn't really have a payoff. I mean, yes, at the end, Zucan's upset because his daughter might or might not be on Zenon base, but... He has enough problems on his hands that he didn't need a little extra emotional push before it blew up right. in his face. And her being there didn't make any ultimate difference to how he behaved. Right? I mean, he didn't give up the secret to saving their lives because he now realizes his daughter's there. So he did nothing different than he would have done anyway. Mm-hmm. So that part was... a. Yeah, I mean, maybe that was Terrence's contract. He's like, um... I, you know, I gotta kiss a lady. I'm pretty sure that Avon's had one more girl than me, and uh, I want one. And they said, all right, fine. We'll write it in. Pity she didn't make it at the end. She could have joined the team. Yeah, I mean, you th- th- then they could have just gone off, you know, and sailed off into the, well, the sunset, if you want to call it that, and had some really great adventures, especially if this series had gone to number five. Not not on Betathol, of course, because there's no uh, sunset. No, but on the ship. Wasn't that a weird scene where he's just Which talking, uh, the the scene where uh, oh, when he's, when he's telling to Dana about yeah. there's no sun or no nighttime. Well, and it's interesting that you mention that. He does kind of go off in this, you know, always living in the light. And then he finally kind of throws off this, um, this desire to want to live in the dark. Now, everything that we had, and I wondered if that was some sort of symbolic 
kind of reference, but then based on everybody's everybody else's analysis about Zucan, he is a pretty dark character to begin with. No mm-hmm. one can trust him. Oh no. And and strange enough, um they shouldn't have. <laughs> well, no, they really shouldn't have. They were right to begin with. Don't trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And it also it was that it was that sentence that says I miss the dark. Well, yeah. Doesn't that didn't your planet always have I mean, this is your world, right? What dark Unless he lived off some the other world, world at some point. Yeah. Although I guess the only thing I can think of. That doesn't really Well, honestly, that doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it just it was an interesting piece of dialogue. I don't know if it was meant to be filler or or what, but it just very you know, very intense, very and Dana's kinda like you key think I'm gonna go count my toenails now or something and head it off <clears throat> afterwards. Um let's see. What have I got here? Um Well we already mentioned the electronic toast glasses, which I just think is hilarious. That was just bizarre. <laughs> it was. Um we get a reference here that Sulin's parents were killed when she was eight. Mm-hmm. Or at least her father was. Yeah, that's true. Her father was killed when she was... I, I think she swear earlier had said that her parents had been killed and that she hunted down their killers. And we get a little, uh, we get a little reminder of that here. Mm-hmm. So what did you think... Uh, we've had our discussions in the past about Sulin. What did you think of her in this episode? You know, she's really kind of grown on me. The I find her character really fleshing out. Um, and while again, th- this this this, f- there was some callback to who she was. Uh, you know, when we first meet her at the beginning of this series, and, and when I mean this series, I'm, I mean this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's 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 far more. Um, a far more realized, fully realized character. I mean, I love the little bit when she plays the trick uh, to get the guards to think that she's Ziona. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's really crafty on her part. And uh, the earlier referenced scene where she's talking to Ziona about how she, you know, she never knew her father. Her father was killed when she was eight. And then, you know, Ziona says, I'm sorry. And, and the way she says... Uh, so, so are the people who who are responsible. Eventually, there was there's there was a lot of there's something rather uh, a sense of melancholy, mm-hmm. almost about the way she said that line. I've I've really grown to like her. She I, came off as very two dimensional when the whole when this season began, and now there's 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 more depth to her. Yeah, and do you think that that little bit of melancholy? was also tinged with her... She's obviously rooting for Tarrant and Ziona. Yeah, I kind of get that sense. She's she's matchmaking. She's helping with the matchmaking process here. And you could see that as, you know, my parents killed, didn't have... You know, there's that sort of symmetry to this. And yet... At the same time, she still managed to mostly portray that cold, two-dimensional impression, except when it cracks, and you can see the you can see the person underneath the mm-hmm. mask. So yeah, no, it, I, I actually am. I'm not going to say she's a fantabulous actress, but she's doing the job here. She's she's well. It's not well, well. She's not playing some kind. The character itself is not Oscar worthy, mm-hmm. but for who Sulin is supposed to be, I think she's doing a respectable job. And I, and I like the fact that over the course of of the season, we've actually grown to know her in, in a in a very gradual sort of way. So. By the time we we start to reach the end of the series, she's someone that we can actually kind of root for. Yeah, unlike Dana, who has really not shown any growth at all. No, Dana is Dana. She really has not changed since maybe her second or third episode. And uh, yeah, so what did Sulin's smile mean when um, 
Avon said something to the effect of if Zucan finds out and it's a difference between this alliance and him taking revenge on whatever, don't think for a second I wouldn't sacrifice you mm. to Sulin. And she just, you know, there's a, there's a chuckle there. And wasn't sure which one she was going for. Is that, well, we'll see. Or, hmm. I don't really believe you, Avon, but you have to talk that game because you're Avon. Or, you know, did it just, did the threat just amuse her? I, I don't, I don't know. I cut, well, my first thought was it was, it was one of those ironic laughs like, yes, you would, wouldn't you? And there's but that. Now, but now that you mention it, number your first option, that one, that one kind of, maybe that one holds some merit because if there was anybody who might be able to actually stand up, uh, you know, stand a chance of actually going toe to toe with Avon um, in that kind of manner, I think would be her. I certainly wouldn't in a gun battle. I certainly oh heck no, put my money on Avon. I'd put my money on Avon against Dana in a heartbeat. Certainly I put my Tarrant. money. I put my money on uh, Avon against anybody else, mm-hmm. even Tarrant, who was a guard at one time. So, but not Sulin, which is oh, no. all disappointing when the Federation troops. Sorry, the crack Federation jumping over cliffs troops. Oh, oh, you mean the Federation ninjas? Yes. When they started Dad shooting, was far out. she didn't pull her gun. They ran over at least two hills before she pulled her gun, and it wasn't until after Avon pulled his gun out of his holster, and they started to shoot. And that part I didn't like. Well, because that should have been exactly when she, you know, first time a gun goes off, Sulin should have had gun out. Had the gun out, firing. Yeah. Absolutely. No, those, those oh, absolutely, I agree completely. It was ridiculous that she wasn't. But I just became so dazzled by the uh, the Federation guards that were doing the flips as they you know hit jumped off the mound top of the mound and they'd flip and then land. It's like wow, we have ninjas. That was that was very weird. I, I have to say, I mean that was that was very weird. It was rubbish, but it those, made me laugh. Those flips should have had an explosion behind them. Yeah, those, those should have been. I've been blown off a cliff and I flipped over. But I think this was just, I think the stunt team was like, boss, let us show you what we can do. We got, we have no episodes left to really do this kind of stuff. Yeah, come on. Come on, we got that cliff there. Let us jump it. And let's show you what the Federation can do. Um, <laughs> also, also the same shots when... Avon's just and Sulin are just shooting them as they come over, and their bodies are just dropping. Those are kind of a little weird too. Mm, yeah, but I've seen that so many times in this in this show as well as Doctor Who that I've kind of sort of okay. I can't say that I turned a blind eye towards it because I did notice it. But I again, it's another one of these things where I see it and then I think. Yeah, right. What else is new? They're clearly paid by the fall. Because, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's the same guys, obviously, jumping over and over again anyway. Um, so, weird old virus, air system. I have to say, come on, light pen. That was far out. I gotta admit, that I, I thought that was one of the most um, unique ways um, of actually... Um, <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah i i thought that was, okay i i'm trying to find i'm trying to actually i'm trying to find the note that i wrote on that and um seem to have lost it i remember um, but i thought that was hilarious uh watching that it oh yeah i said it was an interesting concept in changing the circulation of the air the manner in which they did that using the light pen i'm sure for the time it looked very futuristic oh i can remember Back in that time era, I I would have so desperately had done almost anything to get a light pen. Mm-hmm. That just seemed like the coolest technology. That was the future. I, I, you know, a friend of mine, we're not gonna we're not gonna have to be using keyboards and stuff. We're gonna be using light pens to draw yeah. stuff and stuff. And that was just that was so far future. And I, obviously, the set designer. The director, whoever makes these props manager and makes these choices, 
felt the same way about light pens. And, and I mean, I think we're all, I think we all know that light pens have taken over the world and we're all using them constantly at work. So, yeah, but we're old enough, you know, and I hate to keep throwing that out, but we are old enough to remember back in the day when that was, like you said, it was new technology. Uh, one of my friends who was in high school uh, with me, I mean, he graduated in, in 1980 with me and he had one. He was actually able to get a light pen and one of those um, graphic boards that he could attach to his, I'm, I'm going way back here, to his Apple II. Mm. And he he would draw on it and use his light pen. And then uh, then I saw later how he was able to actually draw on a screen. And I thought, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. This is brilliant. So yeah. again, this is that was designed for an audience that, They've never seen anything like that before. Oh no! You know, and and because because of our age, we're able to kind of go back in time and remember what it was like to be in 1980 and see that, and kind of you know we look at that uh, maybe a bit wistfully as we reminisce about what it was like back then and to see that kind of technology as opposed to you know someone who's never seen Blake Seven before and they're watching it watching it for the first time and they see that scene and think, wow, what bollocks, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's just a shame that it I don't know whether it was because of I don't rem I genuinely don't remember the speed of a light pen. I don't know whether or not it was Stephen Pacey's familiarity, the director's instructions, but it was so slow. It and I've seen it be that slow. And that part was like, yep. And that's why that's the technology that's not uh, not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. Okay. So, Sleer doesn't find, doesn't find the location of Zenon Base because Zucan won't tell her. That's a bit contrived. But she makes the argument that says she knows why he did it. He did it so that he could get to Zen and Base, get the antidote, so he'd have it for his own people. And she's fine with that. But she would have liked to have known where Zen and Base is. So we know that Zen and Base, has, now that they've cleared it of the virus, they just need to clean the, clear the doors and everything's good. Um, they get to keep their base of operations, which we haven't seen in quite a while. We, no, we, we haven't. that last week. So that's good. So at least they're safe from Servalant. And for uh, the time being, for the time being, and but of course, did it look like she was going to try to make um, Zukan her her new boy toy? Boy toy for a moment, or is that just a standard technique of hers? I I did wonder that whether or not she was she was actually getting frisky with him, or whether she was just using her femininity against him. As a weapon, as as she has done in the past, with like everybody, and more so recently. So oh, yeah. that could very well just be, you know, if you go back to the earlier ones when she was fawning all over male officers, she was definitely having something with them. And in these last few episodes, when she's fawning over somebody like that, that's probably not the right word, but that's as good a word as any. Yeah. I think it's it's manipulation. It's lure them in, stick the knife in. Mm -hmm. As she did here by planting a bomb on Zukan's ship. Well, she's almost you, you could almost liken her to be to like some kind of black widow. Oh, I yeah. mean, the way she lures them lures her prey in and then once she has what she needs, she eliminates them. I mean, this is this is Servalan at her most uh, I would almost call it bloodthirsty. She also has her, her um, comment about, you know, her doubt that Avon will be killed by her own guards on Betathal. And Zukan makes the comment, don't you trust your own men? And she says, it's more a question of, how did she put it? It's more a question of matching abilities. Yeah. With Avon. And, uh, of course... They didn't know Sulin was there. That was the wild card that saved their, mm -hmm. saved their bacon. But um, 
Um, so one of the things I want to point out is Zukan killed a bunch of his own men. Mm-hmm. Twelve, I think he said. And he's talking to his aide who's helped him with all this. And he's explaining how that weighs on his conscience. That it, he doesn't get a chance to sleep because of it or he sees them in his dreams. And his aide is very callous about this. It wouldn't bother me. Nope, I'll sleep fine. You know, the whole... And Zukan's explaining how, you know, all the... I guess all the people he's killed are in his dreams. and He's kind of made it sound like there's a lot more than just the 12 that he well, sent he's to been, their death. He's been conducting wars against the others. So, you know, any military commander has could argue he's got the deaths of his people on board. And I think it was an interesting, it was almost contempt in the voice of his aide when he was talking about, well, you should take a dream suppressant then. Um, or, you know, well, it wouldn't bother me. I appreciate the fact that Zukan sacrificed him in a heartbeat and blew him out. Yeah. That is, that's like, hey, you, you were, you were expressing just a moment ago that you were fine with this kind of behavior on behalf of your boss. And you got it. Mm -hmm. Poetic justice there. Um, I don't really think that angle was played up well enough. It was an important point, and it just kind of was a throwaway. It was too... Yeah, it, I think they were running out of time, maybe. Even if um, Zucan had said something like, ah, one more, one more to add to my dreams, or something, just to, just to bring it back to that conversation that they had just had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they did not. <laughs> they did not. Mm. Um, let's see. What have we got else? Well, the only other thing that I think is of interest is, and we, you know, we kind of touched on this already. Uh, there's this whole play about how Zukan just simply cannot be trusted. And then after the whole little negotiation that he did with Servalan, again, he, he, she is just as, if not more so, distrustful than, than Zukan mm-hmm. is. I mean, just the way she just casually callously puts oh, yeah. that 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 detonator or the bomb in the hatch she and you just get the sense that unlike his aide finn i mean serverline has probably got more blood on her hands than than anybody else ever in this show and you just get the the distinct impression that that woman has absolutely no trouble getting any wink of sleep and yet it's funny that, that Zukan trusted her. Because that's basically what he did. He trusted her. Yeah. And he didn't. And, okay, so... Especially after he gives his little spiel about how had he chosen a, a, a real alliance with Avon that they would have been invincible. Mm-hmm. Because he saw that Servalan feared him. Mm-hmm. Did he not believe that Ziona was on the bla- base? Or did he, was he forcing himself not to believe that Ziona was on the base? In the, towards the end, it sounded like denial. He was trying to force himself to not believe it. There, there was something too maniacal in his, uh, in, in the way that he protested that idea that she was uh, uh, on the base. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, coming back to that theme of trust... He's just been betrayed by the person that he'd been trusting not to betray him. And now, it's like Avon's saying Ziona's on the base. No, I can't trust Avon. Ziona's saying she's on the base. No, I can't trust. I can't trust. I can't make... I can't believe anything I hear. I don't trust anybody anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't quite tell, because his performance was so over the top, Mm -hmm. that whether that was a man in denial or that was a man... Screaming because his spaceship is going to go boink. Or, um, I have a feeling that this one's going to go very short. Um, yeah, because I'm really. Did you notice really what the spacesuit of- had that it has not had the last time we saw it? Um, well, the only thing that that really stuck out for me was that fin on the top of the helmet. And I, they had those before. No, I don't remember what that, it's missing. But... What it was missing before, and it had this time, was a neck. 
Ah, that's right. That's right. In the past, we were making fun of the fact that the helmets came down over their chins and there was exposed neck. Right. But this time it actually, I mean, it, it could have been a, a, a functional environmental suit. Yeah. Which is, would have been good. So, Fiona. Suicide? Stupid mistake. Very. And I wondered about that. That's, that's one of the things that I, I couldn't quite figure out, why she felt the need to sacrifice herself unless she thought it was the only way that she could atone for everything that Zukan had done. Because you noticed how, except for, for Tarrant and possibly Sulin, everybody else was just really down on her, almost blaming her for everything that Zukan did. And maybe she felt this is the only way that she could atone for any of that. Yeah, I, I don't buy that. Anyone could clearly see it had nothing to do with her. That Zukan did this without. Yeah, and that you're right, and that's one of the things that bothered me because it's clear she is innocent in all of this, and yet you saw how, like Villa, drunk Villa, drunk Villa. I think that answers the question. True, but you know, in this case, you know, a drunk Villa is a very honest Villa, and now you're seeing what he really thinks, and even Dana kind of had a rather certain. A bit of a sardonic tone regarding Zeona and 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 any anything she might have to offer. Uh, it it just felt like everybody else was being down on her, from you know ranging from mildly to outrageously, and this was her only answer. So when Avon, not not that I buy it, I'm just trying. Yeah, go ahead. I was just I'm just trying to rationalize it, but no, it seemed like a bad idea to me too. When Avon proposes his idea. He's very pointedly talking to Ziona, not anyone else in the room. So, you know, with a thing like this, how does that sound, Ziona? And then, you know, it sounds very risky, but it's doable. Do we have any volunteers, Ziona? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, oh and, and even when he wasn't saying her name, he was staring he was, right at he her. He was saying her name. That's right. He was, was saying her name with his, with eyes. his eyes. It was no, I mean, it was so implied. Yeah. I mean, this was him and her in this room. You need to make this right. Right? I mean, that mm-hmm. it kind of seems like the way it was. And when she's going and Terrence is like, no, I'm going to go with you. I thought it was interesting that Sulin is like, let her go on her own. You'd insist on the same thing. Go on your own. So here's my question. Assuming that it was suicide, if it was suicide, did Avon and Su Lin know she was going to die? I can't speak for, for Su Lin, but I kind of get the feeling that Avon did. Because especially when she doesn't respond and his, his, uh, his tone of voice... Remembering his tone of voice when he was going to kill Villa in the previous episode, mm-hmm. Ziona, come in, Ziona. Oh yeah. And then Terrence like, and they're all no, you can't go down. He's like, oh, let him go. <laughs> let him find out on his own. Mm-hmm. Go see what it is. It, it was. Well, Avon's a bit psycho. Yeah, he's pretty dark himself, but that's why he's such a threat to Servalin. It's like, this is what I remember from our earlier discussions about asking if after the incident in gold, where he gets crushed I'll, so I'll, badly. Oh, yeah, and she starts laughing. That, you know, were we going to see Nutso Avon? Yeah, was that like on? a psychotic break? I think this is the Nutso Avon. Eh, it could be. Um, but again, it's like, he could have been sending her down there knowing it was highly risky and that she could die. And we know it was highly risky. So he's sending her into a high-risk situation, which she feels that she's got some part and she could easily die. But in fact, she affects it without causing whatever the damage is. But she took off her glove. Mm-hmm. That has to be suicide. It has to be. But I don't understand. But I, you know, again, I don't understand. I don't get why. What is the point behind that? It does not make any sense. Not why in she fought? No, not at all. I mean, even with Psycho Avon and 
with every with some of the other crew kind of being down on her uh so long as Tarrant was going to be her knight in shining armor i can't think of any reason why she would feel the need to do this i mean she could atone for her father's actions by by just cleaning out the base which she does Mm-hmm. She manages to rid of it, rid of it of the of the of the radioactive virus. So the base is clean. She has done something. You know, she, she's done something really, really good for our crew here to kind of prove her worth. And yet, she still has to kill herself. I mean, it, it doesn't. I just cannot get that to ring true in me. And if she took her glove off before the thing was solved, then she's just the dumbest ever. Oh, that is dumb, yeah. So. And we and the thing, now what's interesting is we see her start to work the repairs, but we never see her finish it. They do uh, a fadeaway. Yep. So it's possible maybe she felt the need to take her gloves off. I mean, that part, that's all mystery at that point. And we have seen that, and I can't. I can't remember which show, but we have seen where, you know, someone in an environmental suit knows the risks, but takes their glove off because they have to work the delicate instruments or something, mm-hmm. or the knobs or the dials or whatever it is. So it wouldn't have been out of place if we had seen a scene where she could not <clears throat> affect the uh, repair without taking the glove off. But by leaving it out... Yeah. I mean, if it, if if it was a point of she has to take the glove off, then they could have kept it in and made the death a rather noble one. But here, there there's nothing noble in any of this. I mean, everything seems to indicate that she took the glove off after the fact. Yes, but before it was done. Right. Because then it wouldn't have mattered if it was done. Exactly. Well, I, I think that's <clears throat> concludes our... Uh, our look at Warlord. Um, unless you have anything else on this one. I Well, I, I kind of felt that, okay, like I said, it's not a bad episode. It felt a little vintage in that, you know, Avon and company, they're, they're trying to work out some kind of a deal with some other people to reduce the Federation's effectiveness and with their, with, uh, their, their mind control drug only to be stopped by somebody else who happens to be allied with Servalin. Um, it it was reminiscent of some earlier episodes that we've seen, maybe not as good, but it had a lot of the similar beats to it. It was it was okay. And possibly possibly a good lead up for this uh series finale. Hmm. So a couple things about the series finale. Um I posted about this on Facebook the other day. I didn't get any feedback on it, so I don't know where we're going to go with it. But uh, as you and I uh, sit here recording, it is October 2nd, 2017. And this episode is scheduled to go out uh, within a couple of three weeks at the most. Maybe actually, maybe, yeah, I think a couple weeks anyway. Um that's putting us into October somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a little checking. We started doing Blake seven podcasts on January 31st, 2013. Oh, you're joking. No. Oh, so this January five years to get through Blake seven. Youch. Five years. <clears throat> through Blake 7. And I was mentioning that to David, uh, who's sometimes co-hosts on here occasionally, and he said, oh, you know, January 2018 is also the 40th anniversary of Blake 7. True. So that means we started around the 35th anniversary of Blake 7. <laughs> so I don't know, I asked whether people thought we should hold off on Blake until January. Which, by the way, that's the name of the last episode, Blake. Right. Just in case. Blake 7 Blake. Mm, I don't know if I could do that. Well, I'm not saying we couldn't record it before then, but, you know, perhaps 
I don't just know. Just hold it. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it if it if I care. <laughs> you know, it's one that's of those. a it's good like, point. It, it's it's sort of it's sort of like well, that seems like there's a certain beautiful symmetry to it, but at the same time. Eh, well, like, what difference is it going to make? Is the episode going to be any better? No, it's not going to be Not really. Any better. It, it'll be, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. If anybody feels strongly about it, though, you have a slight amount of time to give us some commentary. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll listen to all arguments for or against. But uh, no promises one way or the other. We're going to record it. We're going to get it out of the way. And uh, I yeah, because I I need to get this series done. It's it's killing me. Even though the last few episodes have been okay, it's like I I really it, it's it, I feel like lately I've been pulling off a band aid in very very slow motion. Mm. Okay, so here's my question for you. We alluded to it earlier, but you can you can reveal it now. Is it Chris Boucher or Terry Nation for the final? It's Chris episode? Boucher. It's Chris Boucher. I it thought Chris. Terry Nation Terry was gone it. for good. That's yeah, and because I remember uh, some episodes back. I had uh, expressed that I, I thought that Terry had written it, and you had corrected me. Okay, I see. I can't remember because it's like trivia, and it just went shit, gone. Yeah, you you had corrected me that Terry never came back to the show, and you're right, he didn't. Okay. And I was looking at um, when I got the video files and loading them into into my computer, and I just quickly viewed them to make sure that everything looked good, and I saw that Blake was written by Chris. Boucher. That makes sense. He's a script editor. He's the primary writer at this point. So yeah, no, it's a it, it's so the final episode of Blake Seven entitled Blake. I wonder, I wonder what that'll be about. I uh, I don't know. But Ben, thank you for joining me for this, the penultimate episode of Blake Seven. Oh, what a joy! <laughs> and listeners. Not only do I hope you'll join us again next time on Fusion Patrol, but I hope you'll come back a few episodes down the line and join us for the final episode of Blake 7 on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com, Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.